Hi everyone, welcome back to I'm Not Fine. Uh, for today's episode, which is episode six. Can't believe it. I know. We will be talking about your rights in treatment. So it's sort of following along from what we talked about last week. Yeah. Um, introducing the different types of treatment. Um, so today we're going to cover, yeah, your general rights in treatment. Um, what to do when it's like a treatment mode or a practitioner is not working for you. Yeah. And also what to expect if seeking treatment for the first time, especially in an outpatient setting. Yeah. Because you go to an appointment and you really don't know what is going to go. No idea what happen. to expect. Yeah. And I think that for me personally, I would have found that very helpful. Yeah. When I went to my first appointments. Yeah. To know what to expect and what, what is okay and what isn't yeah. okay. Yeah, definitely. So it's, a murky, it's a murky area. Cool. All right. Well, I guess we'll start with rights in treatment. Um, just want to preface this by saying that if it's your eating disorder that is mm, uncomfortable yes. or angry, that's not a good enough reason to stop seeking treatment. Well, there's no really good reason to stop seeking treatment. But if your eating disorder is the one that's calling the shots, maybe that practitioner actually is right for you. Yeah. Sometimes the louder your eating disorder gets about someone, the more um, prevalent their advice or um, support may be. Yeah. So I guess before we get into the rights, want to say that if you're being made to restore weight or do something else that your eating disorder is unhappy about, it's not within your rights to stop doing that. No, um, because unfortunately the recovery process is hella uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. Um, but that is kind of the way it goes for yeah. quite some time. Definitely. You feel resistance for, yeah, like Emma said, quite some time, but it's your eating disorder that is driving that not actually you yeah and like it's okay to feel like you're being attacked because yeah you kind of are the yeah. disorder is such an entrenched part of you yeah and it's a coping mechanism but yeah try and try and find that distinction yeah ask yourself where is it coming from yeah so in terms of rights and treatment now that we've covered that very important caveat yes um I think overall your right as a patient when seeking treatment is to have a safe and non-judgmental space. Non-judgmental is the biggest yeah. key for me. Yeah. It's something that, I mean, I've been in therapies for four years now and I still sometimes my psychologist has to remind me that she's not judging me Yeah, and that she never has, never will. And yeah, she's not about to start doing it now. But if that's something that I still struggle with is having just a free space where you can say anything, even if you feel like you're such a bad person, Yeah, you can say it and they're not going to be like, oh yeah, you really are a terrible yeah. person. You should you not have done that. Are a dick. I think, um, us chronic overthinkers yes. will always say something. And I, I do it with this podcast. I really struggle to listen to it <laughs> like a second or third time because, ah, oh, I'm like, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said this. Yes, so much and criticism it, over yeah. what you've said. And it's the same in treatment. So it's really important to have that non-judgmental space. Yeah. Because more often than not, you're going to judge yourself. Exactly. And you're you already judging yourself. Yeah. So you need someone else to not be judging no. you. No. And people need different levels of 
um, security and reassurance. Yes. So that's something also within your rights and treatment, you can ask for reassurance. reassurance. You can ask if something's okay. Yeah, because that's sort of, you know, it's sort of part of the relationship you have with a practitioner. I think also because it's sometimes such a novel thing like there's not really anywhere else in life where you've got such a non-judgmental no space like if you even if you're best friends in the world like there's still going to be times when someone says something and you're like oh should they have said that should yeah. they not have said that so I think going into therapy for the first time especially it can be really strange yeah but I think it's really yeah as you were saying with the that friend dynamic it's really important to have a therapist yeah to say those things too because you need boundaries yes in friendships and relationships in all relationships yeah definitely um what else do you reckon is important when seeking treatment as your right i think it's important that you have a good working relationship with your team yeah and i guess what we mean by that is that you bounce ideas off each other. Yeah. It's not just them dictating something to you. And yeah. similarly, it's not you running the show. Yeah. It's got to be, yeah, a real dynamic where you work together yeah. for a common goal. Yeah, and also being, yeah, being open, not to criticism, but to different ways of working. Yes. Because I know I used to get really defensive if – it was suggested that I wasn't doing something right. Yes. Um, you weren't getting that A plus. Yes. Oofed. But then you realise that doing the talking and sitting with it, sitting with the discomfort and changing your patterns of behaviour is getting that elusive A plus <laughs> because you can't be perfect at it. But no. pr- progress. Progress is, is what you want out of therapy, exactly. not perfection. No. No. I think on that good working relationship, there also needs to be uh, this balance between being supported and empathised with and sort of held. Yeah. And also to be challenged. Yes. That's a huge part. Yeah. So you don't want to go into a therapeutic relationship and for it to be very um, gentle. Yeah. I think I think of course you need to have the compassion and the sensitivity and all of that, but you're trying to recover from an eating disorder. Yeah. Or any mental illness. Yeah. Really. You OCD need to be challenged yeah. along the way. Because I think oh sorry. No, you go. My first psychologist, who I only saw a handful of times, that issue with that was that I wasn't being challenged. I would yeah. come in, tell her about my week, and she would be like, Oh, okay. How did that make you feel? Yeah. And all of that, like the typical what you think therapy is. And I remember walking out of a session being like, is this it? Like, is this all I'm going to get out of it? What is the point? I could talk to my mum and have the same outcome. Yeah, exactly. You don't go to a, a, a treatment professional or a therapist for a conversation you could have on the outside world no I save myself two hundred dollars yeah i was gonna say it's expensive it is expensive with like great but expensive yes so i think the support and the challenge is very important especially when recovering from an eating disorder because yeah. it's your eating disorder that needs to be challenged yeah yeah and i think as we said a bit earlier if you can feel that resistance and frustration and anger that's probably a good sign that the professional is poking in the right area. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, any other rights do you think, Emma? Um, I think just this right to respect. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, as in all relationships, you need to have mutual respect. And, of course, that means treating your professional with respect. Yes. Because they, they are, are trying to do their job. They are. They're there. It's, yeah, they go to work every day yeah. to help people. Yeah. That's all they want to do. But on the flip side, you also have to have respect from your treatment team. Yes. And it's really important to know that treatment professionals are just like us. They are human. They're <laughs> they not infallible. Human. No. So they may say things wrong accidentally. Yes. Or they may say things wrong a lot and it doesn't sit well with you. Exactly. And that's okay. If it doesn't sit well with you and it's something that is a um, making it harder for you, not your eating disorder. Yeah. You're, you have, yeah, you have the right to seek treatment elsewhere. Yes. You don't have to stick around if someone is not being respectful of you and your values. If they're trying to push their own agenda on you, yeah. I think that's a really key thing. If yeah. they're not really listening to what you have to say, but they're trying to suggest whatever they believe. Yeah, that they've already made their mind up about yeah. your treatment. Then I think, yeah, if they're not respecting you as a person or if they're just treating you as your illness and yeah. not you as a person. That's a hard one. That is a hard one. And also just because they may say things that sometimes come up with eating disorder practitioners that I've heard of is, you know, comparing one patient to another based yes. on how they look sickness-wise, which is such an arbitrary way of going about yeah. it. But I know that some people have had really horrible experiences exactly. where their treatment practitioner might say that, oh, you're not that bad. Or, oh, there's oh, people in here that are worse than you. Yes, and that is not helpful. Not okay. So no. not okay. But, yeah, not helpful. Like no. it's hardly going to make you feel valid. Yeah, and like you need treatment. Yeah. You'll be like, all right, I'll just charge myself. Go home guys. Or I'll just stop coming to therapy. Um, Which is inherently unhelpful. No, it's so unhelpful. Um, I went to say yes, not no. Um, yeah, I, I think that one, yeah, that's probably the last element of the rights that I can think of. Yeah, that covers the big ones, I yeah. think. Um, okay, I guess the good follow-on from that is what to do when it's not okay. And yeah. again, the caveat that when it's not okay by your standards, not by your eating disorder standards. Yes. And a good way of testing that is if you're feeling really uncomfortable and you've had a really – um, a, a session that might not sit well with you, bounce it off someone else Definitely. who doesn't have an eating disorder. Yes. Go to maybe um, a loved one or go to another treatment professional like yeah. in your team. If you're, you know, if your psychiatrist says something that doesn't sit right with you, go talk to about it to your psychologist or your dietitian. Yeah, who Make has a good judge. Yeah, it. who has the objectivity and the lack of eating disorder. Yes, that's a key is. one. Yeah. You can even just ask them, is this me or is it my eating disorder? Like I've yeah. had that conversation many times yeah. where I'm like, I don't know where this is being driven from. Can you help me? And a good practitioner will be able to suss out what, whether it's you, whether it's your eating disorder. Yeah. And I think. okay or not okay. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but when I was quite unwell, um, you'd almost disassociate or disconnect from yourself yeah and act in a really eating disordered manner but at the time you're like determined that it's you absolutely and you really think it's yeah. coming from you and that yeah and then you have to you have to step back 
And it took me maybe half an hour, an hour, and I would be like, oh, fuck, yeah. that wasn't me. <laughs> but at the time, it just feels like it's you mm. so much that you're like, there's no way this is driven by my eating disorder. No, and 100% people, me. And then people do that, oh, that thing when you're in the moment and you're just like, I could kill you. And they go, mm-hmm, that's your eating disorder talking. And we're like, no, no it's, it's not. not. But it is. It definitely is. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I guess – when it, you have established that it is coming from you and not from your eating disorder. Yeah. Um, we've already covered this, but telling someone else in your team is really important so yeah. that they can validate you, yeah. reassure you that it's not okay. And if it's been like a damaging comment or something, they can work to counteract whatever fallout there is. Yeah, and I think it's really important um, in an ideal world with recovery to have – um a multidisciplinary team who like communicate with each other yes that is the dream that is the dream and if you are lucky enough to have a team that communicates with each other i feel very privileged because my team are very communicative and it makes my life so much easier oh so good you can talk to say your psychologist and they can then chat to the dietitian or psychiatrist whoever said something that made you feel uncomfortable And they can liaise as professionals. I think it's really important to not immediately don't don't be knee jerk reactions. Yeah, don't be reactive. No. So yeah, I think bounce it off someone else on your team is a really good one. Very important. Um, And yeah, I think use your support. So use those. Uh, different people on your team yes maybe uh I know I'm really lucky to be able to chat things out with my parents yeah and sort of get that gauge yeah um definitely I've had a lot of conversations with my mum about yeah treatment and stuff and I don't go into the nitty-gritty details so she doesn't need to know that and I don't need to tell her that that would change our relationship yeah that's what therapy is for but I've had conversations with her about what my team have said to me and it's been helpful to have someone yeah. else listen because sometimes there are things that happen in therapy that you don't want to bring up in therapy, yeah. even though you can. And a good working relationship, you should be able to bring yeah. up any issues you've got. But, yeah, it's been really important having my mum or my friends, a select few friends, and obviously we don't we have great boundaries and we don't yeah. go into details at all. But, yeah, talking to your supports, is I think key when something happens in therapy that you're like, is this right? Is this not right? Even just in like a joke or an offhanded comment. Yeah. And you're like, actually, that really didn't sit well with me. Yeah. And I think, yeah, going back to your rights, if it is a joke and not malicious at all, you can say to the person who said the joke that that doesn't sit right. Yeah. Because everyone has a different tolerance when it comes to these things. Absolutely. And you're not weak or stupid or too sensitive if something does hit hard. Yeah. Because, like, everyone has different triggers and traumas and no one, like, you know, you can't be responsible for someone else's triggers. No. To an extent, you know, if you're talking about your goal weights or, like, you know, like calorie content, you're being a dickhead. Um, but, yeah, if, you know, you find something really triggering or upset, upsetting, just – tell the person yeah you said um because more often than not they might not realize exactly and i think a key point to go with that is that you can tell them 
in a future session. You don't have to bring it up no. straight away. And yeah. if you don't bring it up straight away, it doesn't mean that the conversation is over. Yeah. You can have that conversation at any time that you're comfortable. Yeah, that's a really important point. I think um, therapy is all about reflection and bringing things in and there's no time constraints with that no, one. No time limits on anything. I know I always found it really helpful to write things down. Yes. Um, especially when I've been... Um, more unwell physically and nutritionally it's easier to write things down and then sort of go in and just read it out because you don't have to think you don't have to think and Uh, just follow your train of thought yeah sometimes you'll get so just you'll go in thinking yes I'm going to say this this and this today yeah and then they start talking and there's a conversation and the conversation goes completely in a different direction and suddenly your hour's up and you're like shit I have all these things in my list that I didn't cover. Yes. Or you don't even have to say them out loud. You can write them down and hand them to your therapist. Absolutely. And they can read it and then get back to you. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think (laughs) when, um, yeah, you go into a session and for me, my poor suffering psychiatrist and I would end up talking about weight for like 25 minutes of the half an hour session (laughs) and it would just be a back and forth and back and forth. And I think it was really boring for him. Um, but you miss out on so much exactly. of the working because you're just so transfixed with this you're one stuck in thing. this conversation. Yeah, and it's such a futile conversation to have. It is. So, yeah, having something written down um, to address perhaps, yeah, a comment or a joke that didn't really go right or just anything at all that you want yeah. to bring into therapy. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't have, have to, to be. be about the practitioner. No. be anything that's happened yeah, it's good to jog your memory, I think. Yeah. And to have also a tactile representation of your intentions for the session. Yes. I find it very helpful because I know I always get to the night before a therapy or dietitian or <laughs> even GP appointment and go, oh, I don't really, nothing's yeah. happened in the last week. <laughs> nothing happened in the last fortnight. Like, I have nothing to talk to them about. And then I'll actually think about it and yeah. I'll get Emma telling me, what about this, this, and this? And I'm like, oh, yeah, actually, a lot of stuff <laughs> did happen. What about the 10 things we've been talking about? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think there's also that pressure where you feel like you have to present issues. Yes. To you your have therapist. to go in with things. It's like a show and tell. Yeah, you have to, like, like, entertain like, them with yeah. your shittiest like memories of the week or something. Yeah, honestly, half the time, especially if they're a good practitioner, they will have something in mind that they want to work on with you. And also you you actually don't have to be actively relapsing or really unwell to see a therapist. No. Because I'm I'm in a really fortunate position where my health is um, pretty good. But I still see um, occasionally my team because it's good to check in. Absolutely. And even if it's just to reflect on what you've been doing well, like it's still a worthy. It's important to have the space. Yeah, because you need to be able to reflect. And it's, you know, I I don't really like, you know, we have boundaries with our friends and stuff. So you don't, there's certain conversations you simply need to have with a professional. Yeah, I agree. Sorry, that went a little tangent. That's okay. It was relevant. And it's a good segue <laughs> into our next topic, which is what to expect if you're seeking treatment for the first yeah. time. Because it can be such a scary, unknown thing. Definitely. And especially if you've got an eating disorder or any mental illness, really, and if you're highly anxious and overthinking and a bit of a perfectionist, it can be really tricky to navigate it because you want to do you want to do therapy perfectly. Yeah. But you don't actually know what to expect. Also, um, 
that element of denial yes that must have been pretty hard because I know we've spoken about a couple of weeks ago how you were in quite the state of denial when you first started seeing yeah definitely and how did that go in a first session well it was interesting because so the first session with all of my practitioners was a big history taking session and so they want to know about your whole life, your who like you have around you, your yep. supports, family situation, work or study, and then they obviously want to get into the nitty gritty of the illness yeah. and the situation that brought you to therapy. Yeah, and yeah, I was I was adamant that I didn't have an eating disorder. In fact, I've told my entire team that I don't have an eating disorder on more than one occasion, but especially in that first appointment, yeah, it definitely came up. And it must have been really hard for them as well, but it was hard for me to understand why I was there. And yeah. me were taking like an in-depth look at my situation. Like it got to the point where my dietitian was asking me what I was, what I'd eaten that day and like in the days leading up to it. And I told her and I was still, I was restricting <laughs> very heavily, fine. but still very adamant that I was fine. <laughs> and yeah, it was, it didn't occur to me. I was so unwell that yeah. it didn't occur to me how unwell I actually been was. It would so hard going to sessions, convinced you don't need to be in yeah. sessions. And oh, I'm looking back now, I'm like, how did I not know? <laughs> but at the time I was like, yeah, I'm just going every week to yeah. see a psychologist and dietitian and we just chat and yeah, like, just it's chill fine. Out. Yeah, I think going back to um, them taking a history yes. and who's around you, Maybe we should talk about the purpose of that for Absolutely. a first session. Yeah. Just to give context for those of you out there who might be going to a first session at some point in Thinking the future. Thinking about accessing treatment yeah. soon. But just to ask why they do that because sometimes it can feel a bit irrelevant, especially yeah. if you're an adult and you're living by yourself Absolutely. or you're living in a different I was state. I in a different state. <laughs> my family are all in Queensland and yeah. I was like, why are we talking about my family? But actually it was very important because yeah. they needed to know who I had around me and who yeah. my sports were. And I, my first appointment with my dietitian was two weeks after I'd moved to Melbourne. I was <laughs> like, I know 10 people in the state and that's the 10 people that I work with. Yeah, and they're not, they're not quite your family. No, they didn't exactly have a support system. So, no. yeah, it's really important that they know who you have around around you in close proximity and also like my family are great supports but from two states away it was very hard for them definitely but it was good for my team to know that I did have a good support system and like my mum would drop anything and meet and come down immediately if I needed her to my dad would too but I haven't asked him to but mum I have yeah and they've come so it was important that my team knew that yeah and I guess of course it's important that they know your medical history and your yes. psychi- psychiatric history. And any medication that you're on. Yeah. Very important. So important. Especially if you're changing, say, psychiatrists and you're on psych meds, it's yeah. really important that your new psychiatrist knows what you're on. And the dosages as well. Yes. Because that is a big thing. Um, anything else from the history? Um, I guess just... Try and take a non-judgmental approach yeah. on yourself. Yeah, that's um, really important. Because they're, again, going back to that non-judgmental approach of therapy, you should feel comfortable with saying that this happened when you were 10 or that yeah. happened when you were 15 and to just take the self-criticism out of it. Exactly. Um, they just want the facts. Yeah. It doesn't have to be – you don't have to have 
an impressive background <laughs> or you don't need to give me a resume no you're not trying to sell yourself here and to remember all the way through it helps me to remember that you're paying for a service yes so you're not a burden and you're not inconveniencing exactly they have that time whether it's half an hour an hour whatever their session is dedicated solely to you yeah and i as we've um said before just yeah just take that criticism away and don't think of yourself as a burden no because you're definitely not no um what else to expect when seeking treatment for the first time um I guess just knowing that treat, uh, therapy especially is a very different way of thinking and interacting. Yes. And as humans, we hate difference. We oh, hate yes. change. Change on something new. Yeah. So it's okay to feel it being like it's okay to feel confronted and yes. anxious about it. Can it can be very confronting because often you haven't looked at your situation like no. just in front of you. Usually you know, you can, like, play it down in your yeah. head or just be in straight-up denial like I was. Yeah. But then to have it all laid out in front of you and you're like, oh, maybe everything's not okay. Yeah. It can feel, yeah, really confronting. You feel very vulnerable. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know, I felt a little more than a little trepidatious yeah. about what I was getting myself into. Yes. You feel like you're like getting into a cult. Yeah, it's like you're signed yourself up for something and you're like, I've signed myself up to get rid of my eating disorder. Do I want to? Yeah, when it's a huge part of you. Yeah. Also the flip side of sometimes you've had so much therapy that you forget other people's tolerances to talking about stuff. Yes. Like I know I've had that much therapy that I'm very good at talking about my emotions. Yes. I'm very good at asking people about their emotions. But sometimes no, I have is as good as talking about it. No, or as comfortable. Or as comfortable or as familiar. Yeah. Like after you've done a few years of therapy, you're pretty you're pretty anesthetized to it. Mm. You you're you're okay doing it. Yeah. But it's really hard, you know, talking to somebody else who hasn't had therapy wildly. <laughs> um and it's a different story. It is. Yeah, that is an important thing to note, actually. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, probably the biggest one is it can take a while to really yes. click with your team even if you get good vibes from them and you know that it's going to work it can still take you a couple of yeah. months to really click and to really be comfortable being that vulnerable with them yeah I think just remember that you both have to work at it yes. so you can't expect to have a good relationship with your therapist if you're not being completely honest yeah um if you're not being cooperative, if yes. you're sitting there and not talking. If you're not talking, it's not going to go anywhere. No. And, yes, there is a lot when you are unwell. There's a lot. There's barriers. Yes. There's protection. There's things that you do to protect your eating disorder or protect, protect yourself because it, it's your really vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, you can't expect a relationship to be formed on nothing. Yes. It's a two-way street. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think, um, if you do find eventually after a certain amount of time that it isn't working for you and you haven't clicked, it's okay. To it is okay. To, yeah. Yeah. You're not being rude or no, it's anything. not personal. It's not personal. 
And if they do take it personally, then they definitely want the right therapist for you. Yeah, and I think it's really important to know that it's good for both of you if exactly you if you do change, change it up. Yes, because if it's not working for you, there's a good chance that it might not be working for them either. Yeah, and they want the best for you. Exactly. You want well, hopefully, at some point you want the best for you. Probably yes. not straight away. That's a bit too optimistic. But there's but a reason that you keep going. To yes, there's a reason why you agreed or you like even sorted out. Yeah. So that, that is probably the biggest take-home from this yes. podcast is that it is okay to change practitioners yes. and they are not going to think any less of you. In fact, they'll probably respect you even more yeah. if you can say, hey, this isn't working for me, I need to change it up. Yeah, and it's their job. Exactly. It is their job and so it's not a personal thing that you have against them. Nope. Um yeah what do you reckon is that that pretty much covers the rights and treatment i think and what to expect if you're seeking treatment for the first time so hopefully this has been helpful yes in some way or another um whether you've been in therapy for a really long time or whether you're thinking of accessing it for the first time yeah or whether you're supporting someone to seek it for the first time yeah um you knowing and you providing insight and support will help them definitely Cool. Um, As always, yes. This has brought up anything for you. Head to our bio on Instagram. I'm not fine. Podcast. We've got links to Lifeline, Butterfly Foundation, EDV, and EDQ. Yeah, and also on that, if you do need a therapist or a um, dietitian, Butterfly and EDV and EDQ have lists and they contacts. Do. They're very helpful. Yeah. So you could definitely check them out. Yes. Cool. Talk to you next week.